0: Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Pastor Antoine kicks off our new series, Making Disciples. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor Antoine Lassiter.
1: We're in an interesting uh, sermon series. I don't know if it's a sermon series or not, but we're we're talking about uh, making disciples. And, And one of the things that we realize in terms of making disciples is to make a disciple, you first have to be a disciple. And so we make assumptions that just when we say make disciples, it's assuming that we're disciples. Um, And and so uh, the first thing that we talked about last week, we were talking about, we we had this chart that was up. um, And I'm going to show you the chart. And we we focused on making disciples. That's the vision of our church, is to make disciples. But the first part of this is Jesus is Lord. Now, we all say that, right? Jesus is Lord. Uh, But I will... And and, and when I say we, I am referring to myself as well. I am not above what I am teaching. And and so when we say that Jesus is Lord, the question then is um, does our belief and behavior line up with his Lordship? Do I act like he's Lord? Do I think like he's Lord? And so what we want to do is we want in this first quarter, um, as we continue as a church family to read through the scriptures, um, I lost a couple days, but I'm caught up now. Praise the Lord. Um, And and one thing that uh, we started with, we started in the book of Genesis, and the first four words in the book of Genesis actually sets the tone for our lives. In the beginning, God. He didn't ask, he didn't ask for permission to be here. He is who he says he is and he does not even explain. He just opens up scripture and says, "In the beginning, God." And then we see his creation and throughout Genesis and Revelation, the revelation of what? Of who? Revelation of Jesus Christ. So sandwich between Genesis and Revelation is a truth of not only God's love for us, but mankind's problems, to put it lightly. And so we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 28, and this is going to serve as the focus of everything we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, the 11 disciples traveled To Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. He told them to go to the mountain. They traveled there. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Uh, Verse number 18 Jesus came near and said to them, All authority, say, all authority. All authority authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. You knew me as teacher, you knew me as rabbi, you knew me as healer, you knew me as deliverer. Now you would know me as Lord. All authority has been given to me. And then he says uh, on, uh, in heaven and earth, therefore, uh, go and make disciples. Hmm. Go, therefore, and make disciples of who? All nations. All authority is given to Jesus. Go make disciples of all nations. Everywhere. Say everywhere. We have to go make disciples everywhere. I want you to look at your spouse if you're married. You look at your kids if you're married. Not if you're married. Just look at your kids. <laughs> Hopefully you're not married to your kids. Um, so, uh, so everywhere we go, so I want you to think about your work. Think about who, who, who hoops, who plays basketball. I played in my head, I'm too old. Go make disciples uh, in the grocery store. Go make way past the way. I'm not telling you he did to so take it up with Jesus. Go make disciples, um, go therefore make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything. Say, observe everything. I have commanded, oh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So now we have all, right? We have all authority. We have all nations. We have um, all nations, all authority, teach everything always with us. You see this pattern. It's... All all authority, all nations, teach everything, always with us. And this is the command that Jesus gives us. How many Jesus followers in the building? Thank you. Everybody, most of us raised our hands and only a few are excited. Yeah! Everybody else is like, I suppose. But this is the Lordship, the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus, in, chapter, uh, uh, in Luke chapter 6, um, someone says, Lord, calls him Lord, and Jesus' responds, is, why do you call me Lord? And he says, and why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? Whew. As my grandfather would say, that's tight but right. And so, so this is something. This is a this is a digging a little deeper. Not just the casual Christian, not just the person who attends church. This is Christ followers. Everyone, no, that's not true. Um, oftentimes, you will hear Christians in whatever uh, profession they're in, good or bad. Uh, you know, award shows, you know, I'm a rapper, and I say a couple things that my mom couldn't even repeat. And the first thing I do when I get to the stage is, first of all, I want to give honor to God, who because without this, none of this would be possible. Nah, Reverend. No, sir. And so what happens is we have been so casual with the title, it means nothing. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. And so we're going to have to learn how to dig a little deeper if we're going to actually change the world for Jesus Christ. And so it may be where you are at this moment, but my prayer is to sort of figure out where we are as a church and by the power of the Holy Spirit, get there together as a church. Disciples. And the simple truth is when Paul tells us that if we confess that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved, it's not just me reciting a prayer, it's me actually living out it. And so, in order to make disciples, we must first be one. And disciples learn from Jesus, and they are students. So, teach Jesus' word, make disciples and baptized disciples. And Romans chapter six, uh, verse four puts it this way. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Very simply, baptism is an outward testimony of the inward change in a believer's life. But baptism is an act of obedience to the Lord after salvation. So we got to have belief that actually changes behavior. But I want to spend a few moments talking about what happens to us before Christ. So with before Christ, that's before we came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Here's what we see. That before Christ, we were separated from Christ. We were dead. Um, Not only were we dead, we were disobedient disobedient to Christ, we were ruled by the flesh. We did whatever we wanted to. Okay, maybe y'all didn't, but I did. Uh, Okay, thank you. I got one honest person. No, Pastor, I was saved at birth. All right, for for (laughs) most of us, we did whatever we was big and bad enough to do. And and we were the objects of God's wrath. We were uh, opposed to God. And so, first, in order for us to understand um, him being Lord and Savior, we first need to understand that we all need to be saved. If we don't understand the brutality of sin, then we don't appreciate the grace that God offers. So, before Christ, we were walking in sin and we were destined for hell. Yes, hell's a real place. And we were destined for it before Christ. Thank God... Thank God. Amen. And, and, and so, uh, now, I grew up in a church where uh, not every Sunday, but most Sundays, all we talked about was avoiding hell. And uh, that's rough because I might not know about the grace of God, but I realized I did not want to go to hell. So, every Sunday, um, I was tempted to walk at the altar because I didn't want to go to hell. So every time there was an offering appeal for salvation, I just want to make sure I'm right. So I walked that altar. I had a track because that was before Christ. And so before Christ, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. So sin leads to death. I was reading the Old Testament, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Every time I turned around, God was just killing folk. And I was just like, good goodness, Lord have mercy. Um, And then I started to realize in my devotion um, because uh, uh, death, uh, a fast death or a slow death still leads to death. And so without the, inter- without the interruption of Jesus giving us grace, it ultimately ends the same way. So God, in the Old Testament, was like cutting sin off immediately because there was only remedies. There weren't that many remedies. And so they had to keep doing the offerings, but you keep reading the book, Jesus extends grace, and now we're still going to die as a result of sin, but now we have an opportunity to live forever with him. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says, sin, our sin nature, desires what conflicts with the spirit. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18, literally, I mean, it says sin craves more sin. So, you can never quench the thirst of sin. So, sin it starts with the thought, then it's birthed in the heart, and then it's conceived, and then it leads to death. That sin is a monster. And it invades our hearts, and so uh, before Christ, these holes in our hearts, and some of us, um, most of us, if not all of us, when we are at our youngest, uh, sometimes even in people's good attempts, they have spoken things to us that has found its way into our hearts. Some of us have experienced the trauma, and the, and 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 the trauma, and the in the sin stained lives of of people taking advantage of us, broken homes, you name it. There is a Need for a remedy. And so we live out what we believe. And so these holes in our hearts, uh, filled with rejection and in lies, insecurity, trauma, um, this is what most of us get. And we understand it. And so before Christ, our beliefs, our attitudes, our behavior, our values, our holes dictate our habits. And so we live these lives um, based on the protection or we live through our wounds. And we started, like, listen, you got a hole in your heart? You know what your natural response is? It's to protect it. It's to keep from being hurt again. But because we are before Christ in this scenario, this is what Galatians 5 verse 19 says, that when the flesh, when we are operating in a heart that has not been regenerated, this is what happens. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, self-ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins, and this is just a tip of the iceberg. And that's what happens before Christ. And so we are living out of a heart that has all these holes and these holes are determining how we react. Yeah. And these holes determine my habits. And my hang-ups reveal my holes. And what ends up happening is that think about this. Now, You have holes, I have holes, we have holes. So what is the natural response? To hurt each other. And I'm not trying to hurt you on purpose. I'm trying to hurt you to prevent you from hurting me. And so we have this life of living these, what we believe. And so these holes dictate my habits. And so as we journey through this life, one, someone, somehow we ran into the message of Jesus Christ. But here's the beauty. You want to know the beauty? That the Father was drawing you to Jesus before you heard the message. I want you to understand that. It's His loving kindness that draws us. And that's why we repented. So this is the beauty of it. And then we become saved now. What is saved? Just shoot it out. Whatever your concept of salvation is, just shoot it out. Crowd participation. And I'm risking a lot. What does it mean to be saved? Forgiveness. Redeemed. Delivered. What was that? Change in behavior. Intimate relationship with the Lord. She reads her Bible. I'm just messing. I mean, you do, but I was just. So we accepted Christ, Romans chapter, you know, the Romans road. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. And so after Christ, everybody claps, after Christ... That was a good cue. After Christ, we're united to Christ. We are alive. We are now obedient. We are ruled by the Spirit. We're the object of God's love. We're walking in Christ and we're seated with Christ. Sins are forgiven. We are declared righteous, not by our good works, but Christ's. Christ's righteousness is now put on us. I put on Christ's righteousness. I am alive. I am no longer dead. I'm no, no longer a slave to sin. We become adopted into the family of God. We are sons and daughters. We go from darkness to light. And the old church says and we're filled with the Spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, but pastor, I still slip, and I still make mistakes, and my spouse, good God Almighty. Well, here's the reality. You feel bad about it now, though. That conviction is working in you, and that's evidence that the Spirit of God is moving in you. You remember way back when, sorry kids, you will cuss them out and not think about it? No, not y'all. Okay, that wasn't your thing. You will swing at that person without thinking about it? Wrong church. You will take that thing without thinking about it? So y'all, so okay, so y'all ain't delivered yet. Back in the day, I would do X, Y, Z and not think about it. I justified it, I even made sense of it. Now, I might still do it, and I I, I tell the people closest to me all the time, so I guess you're close to me now, and it's this, you shouldn't have sent that text. But you don't understand. Now I find myself apologizing when, uh, now I find myself I'm not, I, I, I'm not on social media because it's a gas station bathroom, but um, I find myself about to respond to a post, and Holy Spirit would be like... and I'd be like, this, they're lucky." That's the Holy Spirit working in yours truly. Now I don't know how the Holy Spirit's working in you, but if you are in Christ. I will submit to you that he is. But I got to, I got to, I got to, I said it even during worship. Lord, fill me with more of your spirit. That's not actually accurate. You don't get more of the spirit. The spirit gets more of you. So being filled with the spirit is actually obeying God. It's my wishes, wants, and desires decreasing and letting the Spirit of God increase in my life. So we're filled with the Spirit. And so after Christ, everybody say after Christ. This is what happens. We still have these holes in our hearts, but now we're seeing the fruit of the Spirit. Because now holiness dictates my habits. My holes dictated my habits before. And now holiness began to dictate my habits now. This is before Christ and after Christ. And now the fruits of the Spirit, which is the Spirit, it's not fruits, it's fruit of the Spirit begins to stretch out in me, in us. Now, don't get me wrong, them holes still there. It's like holy and got hands, right? Right? So so what happens with our walk in maturation, the, the more we submit our will to the Father by way of the Spirit, invited in by the grace of Jesus Christ, the more the Spirit stretches out in me, the more I'm obedient, the more I walk in the Spirit. That thing that God delivered you from, you still have an option to go back to it. Can we just get real? But the difference is you don't want to. The holiness begins to become the habit. But here's what I was talking to some couples about um, a, la- uh, a few, few nights ago. But I still got this, uh, I still got this core right here, though. And this core is battling with the with the truth of the gospel. So you never go beyond the gospel. The gospel goes deeper in you. And so we have to let the gospel continue to go because if I want the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I have to allow the Holy Spirit to operate in my life. And I have to practice the habits of submitting to God by power of his Holy Spirit. So it's not just my worship, it's not just my giving, it's, it's experiencing and surrendering to God. And the more I surrender, to the, the more I surrender uh, to the gospel, the more I mature. And so with Christ, I can display the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. So, if you are struggling in your flesh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, walk by the Spirit. Verse number 17, for the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. And so, if there's Evidence of, of the of flesh working, there's, if, if the spirit of flesh is working in our lives, there's evidence through our behavior. But the converse is true. If the spirit is working in our lives, there's evidence by our behavior. Transformation is inside out, not outside in. It's the Holy Spirit living in us and having free reign. So my desires begin as the more I surrender and the more I submit, my desires. Are now becoming like God's desires, but maturity is allowing the Holy Spirit to walk. Now, I'm going to share this with you, and then um, I'm going to—I'm literally finished. Uh, So, when we are talking about making disciples, you have to first to be one to make one. Um, We have to—you're going to hear the word. Everybody, repeat this word after me: intentionality. Be intentional. Repeat it. Be intentional. You don't accidentally become a disciple, but the reality of it is we are always being discipled. We're either being discipled by the Lord or we're discipled by the world. You can't do both. So uh, most of us, we live distracted lives, and, and here's what it looks like. Distracted life is we disengage, we disconnect, we're discontent, and we're discouraged, don't you think about your life for a moment. When we're distracted, it can be summed down to those four things. When we are not uh, making disciples, uh, we disengage. And this, the difference between disengage and disconnection is this uh, when we are disengaged, it literally means to loosen the connection. But when we disconnect, we sever it altogether. And so oftentimes what we do, especially in a culture where, and and I'm not minimizing it, it's the truth. And this is the reality in which we have to approach. In a a, a world where church hurt is becoming more prevalent, that our response to it is often disengage or disconnect. We have loose affiliations and we don't don't connect or we sever it all together. And we walk in a perpetual state of discouragement and discontent. And that's why we need each other. When you look at scriptures, the community of believers rally around those moments of tension, whatever the tension is male, female, black, white, racial issues, social, economic issues. It's the church that's supposed to be the example to the world how to navigate. But what happens when we are not the example? What happens when we drop the ball? So now we're in this perpetual state of just this cycle of trying to protect our hearts. I can drill it down to relationships. Most relationships um, fall apart because there's unmet expectations. And there's this cycle of trust that's built between man and woman that is disconnected when there's an unmet need. I express a need. The need's not met. I won't express it again. I come to church, I express a need, the need's not met, I ain't coming back. And so we have this disengagement. And so uh, many of us um, to actually, if you're here in a church building, I applaud you because in your heart, you said you won't come back. I can't even just be real. And, and, and so the mere fact that you're sitting in a church I don't take that for granted. So the mere fact that you are married again, the mere fact that you are trying again is an indication that the Holy Spirit is not done with you yet. So after Christ, we have to be intentional because when we're intentional, these relationships empower, equip, encourage, engage. It's the mere opposite. Because remember, I was talking to the married couples on Friday. Shout out to strong couples. All right, yeah. Um, That everyone here has a story. And I'm going to tell you, you want to share your story because your story helps us um, understand why you respond to dot, dot, dot the way you do. But if we never hear your story, and what I'm realizing is we have so many, the greatest story that was told to us is the story of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. But the second greatest story ever told is how you met him. But there's an origin that all of us have. Families, our, our families of origin like our, our previous experiences, because this shapes who you are right now. With your Jesus-loving self, we still have holes that we're going to have to deal with. And what I realize is God um, is responsible for the breakthrough. We are responsible for deliverance. What do you mean? Well, when he delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, he, they, they faced the Red Sea. They could not move the Red Sea. So he parted it. It was up to them to walk through it. So, what the Holy Spirit does is give us opportunities for breakthrough, but we gotta walk through it. And we're never led, we're led into trauma by people, but we're never led out of trauma without people. So, you see the dilemma? They hurt me but these people can help me. And I'm caught in the middle because I know what they did and I don't know what they will do. And so we cannot walk out our deliverance by ourselves. What you saying? I'm saying we need each other because these holes don't go away just by your prayers. Listen, I wish they did. Paul, Paul, Paul says, I prayed three times. I, pray, I prayed that the Lord would <clears throat> remove this. That was my thorn. It was big. And I just threw it at Laura. Catch <laughs> gotcha. it. Yeah, don't do it. You won't leave that one alone. Um, he said, I prayed three times for this thorn to be removed. I prayed earnestly. And he said, my grace is sufficient if he was living in a cave by himself, thorn wouldn't be a big deal. But he was still doing a work of ministry with a thorn in his side. And I'm sure that because of the work of ministry in relationships, someone keeps plucking at that thorn. And it would be easier, Jael. He just didn't have it in the first place. And somehow God sits us in a family who sometimes... Pluck that thorn. Because I love the Lord God with all my heart, mind, body, and soul. I just struggle with (laughs) y'all. Father, I love you. Well, you got to come get these kids. And so, (laughs) that's the walk that we're in.
0: That concludes this week's message. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel like to give, feel free to text the word give to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.